Four Tracks on SFM with John Gerica. With John Gerica. Saturdays, 7 p.m. till 10 p.m. Uh, Hanni Prinsloo, South African freediver, speaker, writer, and ocean conservationist, it says here on her CV. Uh, Hanni, how's it going? Hey I was I was looking at, do you know about your Wikipedia page? Yes. <laughs> Did you write your Wikipedia page? No, not at all. So who would have written your Wikipedia page? I'm not sure. I think it's got cobbled together by some past coaches and agents uh, and friends, I think. I need friends like that. I don't have friends that have made a John Carrick Wikipedia page. I'm going to write my own one. Um, it does say here, uh, the biography of a living person needs additional citations for verification. Please help by adding reliable sources. So, Hanley Prinsloo, were you born to parents Henny and Naomi Prinsloo? I was on a farm outside Pretoria. <laughs> what does a girl from Cullinan know from the sea? How did that happen? Oh, yes. Well, the story gets even more obscure that while studying in Sweden, <laughs> I got interested in freediving mm. and ended up um, yeah, becoming quite good at it, training in deep, dark fjords. I do think when we learn things in subpar conditions, we become quite good at them. I like that, but I want to get back to your Wikipedia page. There's so much to talk about. This is going to be great. Um, 18, uh, horse farm outside of Pretoria. Do you, do you know from horses? Do I know horses? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do know horses. I do. And not as well anymore. Now I know seahorses better than <laughs> land horses, but I have known a horse or ten in my life. Uh, your sister, I'm just checking the facts here. You've got one sister, uh, Marika Prinsloo-Rowe. That's correct. She does cement and makes aquatic-themed sculptures. That's true. She actually does a lot of bronzes now as well. I mean, if you were in, uh, yeah, she did the beautiful exhibition on Seapoint Promenade in 2010 of the Swimmer Girls, those beautiful statues of the girls in their bright red and white swimsuits along the Seapoint Promenade. She's fantastic. My sister's an incredible artist. So two sisters lived in the center of the country and both of them have aquatic tendings. Well, you know, the sea is 70% of our planet, so it's going to come and get us at some point. Okay, then Pretoria, blah, 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 and then this is the important bit. You went to Gothenburg in Sweden, and you found yourself. Correct. Tell us about that. (laughs) Tell us about that. Well, I think for me it was more about um, finding the ocean in a way that made sense to me. I had tried scuba diving before. I swam a lot growing up but the first time I tried free free diving it was really that sense of finding that stillness that that was really something I think I'd been searching for and for anyone who's tried free diving I think would would um, resonate with that it's an incredibly beautiful way of connecting with the ocean when you hold your breath and go underwater and mm. find that quiet that uh, I seen, saw that documentary over Christmas the was my octopus teacher yes that's First of all, it opened my eyes about octopuses, which is amazing. But that's free diving. Is it, would that be a form of free diving? That is absolutely. So it's um, yeah, it's kind of skin diving or snorkeling where you also free dive. So hold your breath and go underwater. Free yeah. diving is really just snorkeling where you leave the surface and go down and hold your breath. And then, of course, you know, for some of us like myself, I got fascinated with what my body could do, and mm. so free diving became a competitive pursuit for me so it was very much about meters and seconds and going as deep as possible but what um, what craig did in in my octopus teacher i think is the most interesting kind of freediving is when you really use it to explore and connect with the ocean and become part of the underwater absolutely <laughs> it's 
it under for me, and I was I was, I was going to do that horrible thing and saying a lot of people, but I find the sea scary. Maybe maybe because of Jaws, maybe because of documentaries <laughs> that you watch. But you know, it's that fear of the unknown. Was that mm-hmm. something that you had to overcome, or was that always just you know? I just I just love being under the water. I think that for me, I was. I had more of a curiosity. So I think confidence can come from different things. I was always confident in water, being a strong swimmer. And so then I was curious about what was what was underwater. So I always say, it's exactly what you say, that it is a fear of the unknown. And mm. so to unpack fear, I think it's an op- we, we can seek out opportunities of learning more about the thing that scares us. And um, if that's not a dangerous pursuit, and in the sense of the ocean it's not a dangerous pursuit if mm. done in a safe way so I, I definitely believe that um that that's a way to to overcome fear some fears are healthy <laughs> but a fear of the ocean that stops us from exploring and appreciating mm. it i think is something that um that definitely can be untangled instead i feel like there are more things in the ocean that want to kill you than on the land but i'm probably wrong right you are okay. and i think what's interesting as well is that the big things in the ocean we're actually able to interact with them in a way that on land isn't quite possible. You know, like if you go into the wild, wild wilderness, like in the middle of the Kruger Park or something, you have to stay in your vehicle or have a ranger with you to navigate that wilderness. Whereas in the sea, you know, I've swum with great whales and mantas and sharks and everything. And it's a, it's a different opportunity of connecting with the wilderness in a way that is quite open and inviting, you know, unless you unless you behave in a very, very stupid way. None of these big animals are see you as, as prey or enemy mm-hmm. and that's that's really quite special. Okay, before we get into how you're making other people appreciate the water, I want to talk about your records. Um, you were the first South African to hold a record in all six free competitive diving disciplines simultaneously. Correct. Okay, what are they? So the six competitive um, free diving categories are three depth categories and three in the pool so the three depth ones are swimming as deep as possible with fins or a monofin as i did so swimming down on one breath um with what in in essence is like a mermaid or a dolphin tail as deep as possible and back up again but it's not a mermaid or a dolphin tail it's a very (laughs) technical carbon fiber fin oh wow and then there's um so that's down and up with no assistance then there's swimming down and up uh breaststroke so just arms and legs. Sure. And then there is pulling down and up the rope called free motion. So it's constant weight with fins, constant weight no fins, and free motion. And then in the swimming pool, there's as far as possible with fins and as far as possible without fins. That's dynamic apnea with fins, dynamic apnea no fins. Mm-hmm. And then there's static apnea where you float face down holding your breath, which I think arguably, arguably is the least spectator sport in the world. <laughs> I was going to say underwater hockey, but at least you pop up in underwater hockey. Oh, completely. No, no, there's no action. In in static apnea, it's like literally like she's still lying there holding her breath. She's still lying there. She gave an okay sign. She's alive. It's, it's, um, but what is interesting is that for the person who's doing it and the stories we tell after having done that, it's, yes. You know, you're living a whole life during a during a breath hold. But for those watching from the side, it's probably very boring. Okay, I love the word apnea because apnea is what I have when I sleep badly. So apnea means I am imagining holding your breath or no air. Yeah, apnea is a Greek word for the cessation of breathing, so ceasing to breathe. 
Okay, so static, static apnea is something I imagine that most people can do uh, regularly. Uh, go into a body of water, hold your breath for as long as you can, and don't drown. Really, that's that's the rules of the game, yes? Absolutely, but please do not don't, ever do that yeah. without any training or without somebody watching you because it can also just mean, you know. I was just, I, <laughs> I was just about to say, it, it also <laughs> sounds pretty dangerous because, as you say, it, you're just lying there. So you need yeah, somebody um, to make sure you're okay. You need something to make sure you're okay because you are fighting the urge to breathe. And without proper training and experience, you don't know when you should stop fighting and actually breathe. So it's a very interesting mental journey of understanding your ability, but also being respectful of your limitations. Okay. How long? Have I? How's my breath? Yeah. Underwater static apnea, your record is? Six minutes. Six minutes. Correct. I'm just trying to find a song. The, the next song we're going to play is going to be six minutes long. Oh, right. it'll definitely be more fun listening to the song than holding your breath. <laughs> what, what, goes, <laughs> could, what goes through your head when you, like you say, you've lived a lifetime while you're holding your breath. So what do you do? How do you do it? So the first few minutes is all about relaxation and really trying not to think too much and, you know, kind of letting your mind go if that works for you. I do like a body scan, so I make sure that my whole body is relaxed because if you start tensing up, you waste oxygen. So there's different techniques. You know, some people use the mindfulness or meditation. Some just let the mind wander. Um, and then once the urge to breathe sets in, which is triggered by rising carbon dioxide levels in the body, mm. once the urge to breathe sets in, then it's very much a mental game where you are telling yourself, it's a lot of self-talk around how much oxygen you still have, even though you feel like you're low on it, and it's carbon dioxide, not oxygen, and relaxation. And so you use different kinds of, of self-talk. For myself, it was always very much about connecting with how my body has a similarity to that of aquatic mammals, and I'm not, you know, this is, I'm not doing something unnatural. This is something my body knows. So yeah, it's, it's quite an intense amount of mm. mind-body conversation. Mm. All right, let's move on to other things that you've done. You were an actress. How did that work out? Well, I kind of studied acting, and then I realized I do not like to pretend. <laughs> and, and that's something that's kind of become very central in my life. Mm. I'm like pretending and pretend. I think what drew me to that was storytelling. And so I found my way back to storytelling mm. through writing and some of the speaking I do and so on, where it's much more authentic. It's about real things as opposed to pretend. So... Yeah, it it worked out in a way that it helped me find my voice in storytelling, but not as an actor. You worked with just about everybody, but tell us what you did with the Springbok Sevens team. Yeah, that was fantastic for a season. Sorry, just um, just before you do this, it says here citation needed. So let's citate this for them. Uh, I'll have to get Paul True to do a citation. <laughs> what did you do? So um, I was asked by the then coach Paul True if I would work with a team on some um, yoga work and breath work and some mental strength work in, in the swimming pool, actually. So um, three times a week for a, a season running up to tournaments, I would work with the team on some stretching, some yoga work, some breath work. I mean, sevens is such an incredibly fast and intense mm. game that recovery breathing is incredibly important. And I really enjoyed working with the team on how to properly get their breath back after a big play, so really working on recovery breath. And also running up to tournaments, you know, the guys were so unbelievably fit that for them to get a really tough workout, 
they could almost only get it on the field and then sure. there's a risk of injury mm. if they're playing too much before before tournament. So we worked on different drills and ways in the swimming pool that they could actually get like a really high percentage workout without any, any injury risk. So that's what I did with them. And it was it was a really, really fun project to see how I could translate the skills I have in, in ocean and water and even with the breath mm. to something so different. <laughs> I'd never really, you know, been very active in following um, spring, uh, the, the sevens rugby as a game. And now I think it's super interesting and exciting. <laughs> My guest is Honey Prince, South African freediver, speaker, writer, ocean conservationist, and leads us to your foundation. There's a lot of citations and attributions needed on your Wikipedia page about this, Honey Prince Lou. So <laughs> let's, let's start. Where do we start? Um, uh, it says here, in 2010, her diving experiences with vulnerable marine creatures inspired attribution needed. So did it inspire you to create I Am Or why did, what inspired you to create I Am Water? Yeah, I think for me, you know, having spent so much time in the ocean in in my 20s, I just, you know, when you fall deeply in love with something, then it becomes really central to what drives us. And for me, that's what happened with the ocean, the experiences I'd had in the sea, the things I'd learned about myself while freediving, and the experiences I'd had with, with animals in the ocean had really shaped who I had become and what I was passionate about and coming back to South Africa after studies in Sweden and traveling and competing in freediving, I think for me it was really quite a stark reminder of how the sea isn't open to everyone, how the sea is a place for some and not all, especially in our country. And that was kind of what brought the idea of I'm Water around is how can we build an organization that allows opportunities for ocean experiences and access to millions of South Africans who don't have that access. And as you were speaking about earlier, that's mm. the fear, that there's often a much greater fear of the ocean than a knowledge or an experience. So what is the point? What is I Am Water trying to do? So what we do, um, so I Am Water is based here in Cape Town and we work with school children from communities who are close to the ocean but oftentimes with very, very little ocean access. So here in Cape Town would be Kailicha, parts of Mitchell's Plain, Masipumalele, Ocean View, these kind of communities where we work with grade 7 students and bring them to the beach. We teach them about the marine ecosystem. We take them snorkeling. We teach them about the rocky shores, the, tight, the rock pools, do a beach cleanup. Mm. And the snorkel experience, many of these children have never properly been in the ocean, like had their feet lift off the sand, so to speak. And most of them, majority of them, had never worn a mask or snorkel. So never seen one is just there, just below the surface. And oftentimes very deep-rooted transgenerational fears. So through these Ocean Guardians workshops, we really give an opportunity for these children to find themselves as an ocean person, to say, this is for me as well. This isn't only for some. I can experience this. I don't have to be afraid. And then by instilling this confidence and instilling this enjoyment and love for the sea, we can then start talking about conservation because it doesn't make sense to Mm. say we need to talk to everybody about conservation issues when we don't even have the opportunity to experience or appreciate it. So that really is the ethos of I Am Water, is to create opportunities of ocean experience that will instill a 
will, a personal desire to protect the sea. So your ethos is you protect what you love. So you're exactly. falling in love with something. Uh, exactly. t- tell me about coaching coaches. That's a really big part of what we do. So initially when we started Water, we, you know, so many organizations work with volunteers. And so we decided quite early on that we didn't want to go the volunteer or volunteerism route that in South Africa with so much unemployment in the youth and not that many opportunities within the marine, marine sphere either for youth. How could we also create opportunities for, for young people to work in this field? And so we started training coaches from similar communities and around Cape Town to work with the children who we bring to the beaches. And so today we have over 50 coaches who work with the program and um, come in and sign up to run workshops. And um, it's been incredible to see the coaching community grow, to see so many amazing young men and women. Most of our coaches are, are in their early 20s and some later, later 20s to really see them grow into their role of mentor and give them the skills and the and the tools to help others hmm. experience the, the ocean. So our coaching community really is what makes Ham Water tick. And we always say that, you know, we're we're like it we're like a family and it's amazing to see this incredible love of the ocean and love of sharing it bringing us all together. We, I could talk to you forever about this, Hanley Prince. But we need to start wrapping it up. Uh, I do like on the website you talk about some of the some of the emotional outcomes of mm. spending time in nature. That's it's amazing. Like from mm. reducing ADHD. Obviously, we know about the escaping the violence and the bullying of the townships, mm. but it it changes a person. Absolutely, absolutely. Being in nature has such an incredible impact on on our mental physical and emotional well-being and you know there's been unbelievable studies done on exposing children to nature on land and how it grows confidence self-esteem a sense of belonging um you know there's there's a myriad of of outcomes that are so exciting to track and then when you add in the element of water you start untapping even more of that because we know water has an even greater healing healing power so it's it's wonderful to see how, you know, we always say we facilitate nature to do the work. <laughs> it's not like we've created some kind of secret source. Mm. Nature is the secret source. Mm. We are just the ones who can hold the hand and say, here is nature. You are safe. And nature can do, can do the work. And that's really something special with, with what, what we believe at Iron Water and how the ocean is the superhero for what we do. All right, quickly, let's wrap up the, the Wikipedia page. You're currently executive director of I Am Water, is that correct? Yes. Okay, so it says uh, they needed a third-party source, but there we go, it's done. Um, working in partnership with UBS and Catlin, I Am Water has initiated ocean outreach programs in South Africa and Bermuda. Yes, that's, that's exciting. We did a, we did a project in, in Bermuda where we've actually, now the, uh, the partner we we started the project with runs the project independently now, which is fantastic. We assisted for five years in running the program, and now the program runs independently in, in Bermuda, which is interesting. Bermuda is such a small island thrown into mm. the middle of the blue Atlantic, and I was there um, for a speaking engagement and saw the same challenges there with sure. the children on the island that I saw here in South Africa and um, challenged some of the business leaders on the island 
to have a look at that and quite quickly got the project off the ground. So I truly believe that there's a place in many, many communities around the world to help people reconnect with their nature and find that ownership. Hanley, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you very much. And hopefully your Wikipedia editors can go and fix all those citations. <laughs> Thank you for speaking to me about the ocean. I appreciate it. Have a good evening. Next time I'm going down, I'm taking snorkels and a wetsuit. And I'm going to Absolutely. go look under the water for a change. Please do. <laughs> Hanley Princely, thank you very much. South African freediver, speaker, writer, ocean conservationist. Find out more about what she does at IamWaterFoundation.org. That's IamWaterFoundation.org. As you heard, she can hold her breath underwater for six minutes. The next song we're going to play is five minutes.